What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi. How the hell is everybody doing? Um, I feel good, guys. I was uh, I finally went to the doctor, got some antibiotics, and bounced back real quick. It's amazing what a little doctor's visit, a little flonase, and uh, you know can do. But I am feeling good. Um, I'm Paul Verzi, by the way. You guys are listening to episode 381. Um, and I have a great show for you guys today. I did not realize I was going to get so many people, uh, writing in this week. I didn't realize, um, that, that car accident thing I talked about was going to get as much uh, reaction. So I will be reading a lot of people reached out, firemen reached out, police officers reached out. Um, if you guys didn't hear last week's episode, it was just about me driving by and it was dark and rainy pouring. And I saw what looked to be a car sliding across the highway, which apparently it did. And it was upside down on its hood in the left lane as I passed it and was realizing what I was passing. And I didn't know if I should stop. And I saw somebody behind me stop. And I was looking for mile markers to call for help. And then, um, you know, I talked about that. And uh, so a bunch of people wrote in about that. And it's really interesting stuff and good information. So we definitely are going to be talking about that. Um, an amazing night I want to talk about that happened on, um, uh, Monday night this week, uh, which was incredible. I want to talk about that. Obviously we're in the swing of Christmas right here, Christmas shopping, holiday songs, the Kansas City Chiefs, um, you know, cutting Kareem Hunt. I don't know if you guys saw the surveillance video of another, uh, domestic or whatever violent issue with an NFL player and how the NFL handled it, so we'll talk about that. I got a great movie I saw, really interesting movie I saw um, on demand. I'm going to talk about that. Uh, Some stuff with sports. Uh, Unacceptable. We're going to talk about more politically correct um, things that are trying to be, or, or a lot of traditional things that are trying to be taken away because of the political correctness. So a ton of stuff to talk about here on this, uh, this edition, uh, 381 of the Verzi Effect podcast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy wherever you may be. Now, I have been talking about my sponsor for a while now on the show, and um, I wanted to do so again because Capper Network, everybody, which is a an amazing an amazing website which allows you to do your sports predictions and and uh, get on a leaderboard. They just added something really cool which I did and I um I'm excited about it. I just put my picks in. All right. So for you people that don't know Capper Network is a sponsor of the Verzi Effect podcast. Uh I love it. I get to go on there. You make sports predictions. Right now they're doing uh you know NBA, NFL, they were doing MLB during the season and all that stuff. And you basically, all it is, is you go on there, you make your sports predictions, and you get ranked. And you get up on a leaderboard, and people can pay for your advice, or you can go look at the leaderboard, and um, you can get, you could pay for people's advice if you want, or you can, um, you know, see who's on top of the of the leaderboard. You can use this information for when you go over to uh, the sports book, whether you want to go handicap something yourself, whether you want to make bets uh, uh, or fantasy picks, you can do that. You could also, they have an option where you can draft a, a handicapping team from the website and you could basically try to make money off the people, the best people on the site. It's an amazing thing. And guess what, guys? It's 100% free to do so. 
So all of your dude, I called it bullshit moments when you lie and say you had that or you thought that, now you have a site that can prove it. By the way, I went six and five this week, everybody. That's right. I went six and five, getting my percentage up there. I'm trying to get over 50%. It's a hard thing to do in, in, in gambling, but I, I went six and five on my last week's picks. And, uh, and my fantasy football team, by the way, is now seven and six. I got over the 500 mark, started out one and four, made some moves, and I'm doing that. So things are starting to turn. I'm like the New York Giants, too little, too late probably, but things are starting to turn. But if you love gambling or if you love sports or if you always had an idea about gambling but you didn't want to lose money, Capper Network is perfect for you. And they're doing something called their weekly three-strike survivor. Uh, where you bet on something and you risk. So basically what you do is how the website works is you can go from one unit to five units is the most that you risk. And whoever gets the most units, you get up on the leaderboard. So what this is, is let's say I take the New York Giants who are favored by three and a half points against the Redskins, which I did, right? Let's say I just bet, um, you know, or I just risk three units out of five because I think that. Anyway, how it works is with the survivor, um, with the uh, three strike survivor, you submit your picks, okay, into the pred- uh, prediction center, okay. You receive a strike if you lose more units than you gain um, in the contest day, okay. When you get three strikes, your picks no longer count in the contest. Survive the longest and gain the most units by the end of the week. To win each cash prize pool, first place is 60% of the of the thing, second is 30, and third is 10. So you can make some money that way. I just did it. Do yours today. Cappernetwork.com. I have a bunch of fans who are telling me that they're on it. Uh, more people than I realize keep signing up for it, and it's starting to catch on. People are listening to the podcast. But guys, I'm honestly not saying this because th- these people are my sponsor. Okay, I'm honestly not. This is the coolest thing because you get to basically see how you would do in a real simulation of betting, but it's just your predictions. And then you can make money on getting so good that people pay for your advice. It's Or you can pay for the best advice out there, the top people out there. It's just a great thing. There's no risk and it's 100% free to, I mean, all you can do is gain from it. So check out my amazing sponsor, CapperNetwork.com. And of course, all things comedy, guys. All things comedy did my special. They are also doing another special. By the way, if you liked how my special looked on Comedy Central, if you liked my special, if you liked that all things comedy um, executive produced it or or produced the special, um, this December 11th, I guess next week, Ian Edwards is going to be the second special that all things comedy does for Comedy Central. And he's going to be shooting it out in Long uh, Long Beach, California. You can go to All Things Comedy to check that out. But there's going to be other ones. They're doing Jessica Kirsten. There's going to be a bunch of other comedians doing them now. Uh, but I was the first, motherfuckers. Don't forget it. But check that out. Support them. Amazing podcasts. Amazing albums. Uh, amazing shows on there at allthingscomedy.com. So thanks, thank those guys. Also, guys, this week, last weekend I was supposed to be at Uncle Vinny's. I didn't realize it was rescheduled, so I'm sorry about that. But I will be in Jersey this weekend. I will talk about that more at the end of the show. Um, okay, guys, let's get right into this. Baby, it's cold outside, right? You guys know the song. Baby, it's cold outside, right? I really can't stay. Baby, it's cold out there. Stay in the fucking house, all right? Now... They're trying to stop it because they're saying it's rapey. 
Um, let's see. Baby, it's cold outside. Uh, they're saying that it's rapey and like, why are you... And they show like the woman trying to hold back or whatever. Now, I don't know, but anyway, uh, won't be played on some radio stations now. It uh, is getting a chilly response from Canadian radio stations this year. All right, this is according to CBS. And CBS is saying that, I guess people are saying that, you know, the girl wants to leave and the guy's like, no, uh, it was like a duet in 1944. And now it is um, facing scrutiny uh, over what some say inappropriate lyrics in the wake of the Me Too movement. Uh, I got to be honest, like, I, I just don't understand how you can... You know, so a guy can't try to fucking warm up by the fire with the, with the girl he likes. And maybe she's playing a little hard to get. Now he's trying to rape her. I mean, I don't like I, I can't believe that. You know, it's been a holiday classic ever since it won an Academy Award for Best Original Song. <laughs> you know, and it's been covered countless times by Ray Charles. Who else? Who else? Let's look at this. Betty Carter. Uh, Dina. Uh. Menzel, uh, Michael Buble, uh, Dolly Parton, Rod Stewart, uh, Emily, uh, Claire Barron, and Mark Jordan. It's been, you know, and so here's, so that's the thing. Um, and then I guess it said Lady Gaga and Joseph Gordon-Levitt flipped the gender roles in the performance um, for the pop singer's 2013 holiday special with the Muppets. I just, you know, um, I got to be honest. Like, I'm not going to get crazy here because you guys know I could easily get crazy. But I'm sorry, CBC, not CBS, CBC Canada. But it's just people are talking about it now. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I just, I feel like it's getting beyond. I also heard something, and this one gets me a little upset, that they're trying to ban Rudolph. Fucking Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. I mean, the shit that we grew up with now, people are trying to say. Sparks debate over bullying. I mean, what the fuck, man? That's life. And here's the other thing. If anything, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, if you ask me, Rudolph showed those kids. You know? Because his nose was oh so bright. Won't you guide the big man's sleigh tonight? So now, this kid overcomes bullying. This kid was, you know, they talk shit to this kid. Plus, it's not like they kicked the shit out of him. I could understand in a movie if they kicked the shit out of him. They left him for dead, broken legs. You know, cut off his fucking horns. You know, did shit like that. I could understand that. Stomped him down. You know, called him a pussy. Did all those things like that. They didn't do that. They just kind of made fun. And like they didn't let him play because they thought he was a little weird and different. But then they all loved him. So it's a positive thing. So how come that side's not being looked at? So now Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer sparks debate over bullying. According to the Washington Post, critics of the 1964 movie. But I didn't... I I didn't see anything that was, if anything, my kids would watch the beginning of that and be like, wow, those kids suck that are doing that to him. But look, he won anyway, you know? Uh, and then it's also saying like, part of it said that Santa, <laughs> this 
This is so nuts. But he's saying that like Santa let them bully him. Hold on. Why is this doing this now? Anyway, it says Santa let them bully Rudolph and joined. Uh, and then here, here's something. And there's all kinds of tweets saying um, it's that time of the year to really consider the meaning of Rudolph uh, and how in the cult, uh, in the culture it's okay to bully someone until uh, the thing that makes them strange is useful to everyone else. Always a horrible story. Santa let them bully Rudolph and joined in on shaming until his freak disability became useful. I mean... It, I, I didn't see, Santa was more like, just like, dude, what is that? Like, nobody saw it before. And I got to be honest with you, I'm not trying to be a dick, but, you know, if one of my friend's, like, makeup rubbed off of his nose, and his nose was a fucking bright red light, like, I'd be like, I'd have to fucking think twice about going to the club with the guy. And I'm not trying to be a dick, but I, I would be like, I would have to talk to my other friends and be like, listen, man, like, you know. You're out, we're out here trying to hook up and shit. Like, this dude's nose is, like, bright red. Like, what are we... You know, like... I like the kid. I would just tell him, be like, Rudolph, dude, we were talking. And, like... I gotta be honest with you. Like, that's gonna fucking cramp our style, dude. Like, I can't not get, hook up tonight or get laid because your fucking nose is, like, lighting the joint up and freaking girls out. So, like, let's go out, but do you mind covering that thing up? Like, let's not be selfish here. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. You know, I mean, I wouldn't bully the guy, of course, and I would definitely, but anybody, if that shit happened to your friend, you'd have to at least, so Santa's part of the problem because he saw, Santa's been, Santa's been flying sleigh around fucking forever, right? Santa Claus has been getting in his sleigh and having these magical reindeer fly his shit around all over the world forever, and then one reindeer Happens to fucking, his nose pops off and he's got a fucking red light bulb for a nose. And Santa can't be like, what the fuck is this? I haven't seen this. This is some mutation of the cells or something like that. And nobody's going to say, and, and it, you know what I mean? And then it ended up working out at the end. I don't understand the problem. So that's where I stand with the whole Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer sparking debate over bullying and bigotry. I just think that at some point, it's like, what are we doing to our society? And how about this for a second, everybody? How about the fact that, you know what? There are shitty kids out there and shitty judgmental people. And you kids need to see that. And I think seeing stories like this of overcoming things and then making even the bullies realize they were assholes has to help too. I'm serious. If I'm a bully and I'm a dickhead and I'm watching that, Right? And I realize, wow, man, like, do me and my friends really act like that to somebody that's different? We suck. You know, this guy's pretty cool. It would make, so I'm, I'm totally, totally against, you know, taking away Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which myself, you know, uh, and, and, and so many people, I'm sure, listening to this podcast and so many people in the world grew up with. If you're fucking in your 30s, if you're, even if you're, I mean, everybody, if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and then obviously beyond that, everybody grew up with Rudolph. It's a classic. Now we're going to take, so let's go back in the archives and get every fucking thing that could be offensive. Let's take away every story where there's bullying. You know, should we not see the Karate Kid anymore? The Karate Kid movie because a new kid, you know, gets the shit kicked out of him by people and then he ends up winning in the end. 
That's what Karate Kid is fucking Rudolph in California, karate style. That's what it is. Let's take away all bullying movies. Let's take away, uh, you know, all songs that, that, you know, a guy's trying to hook up with a girl and she's hesitant at first, but then maybe she likes the guy. Sometimes women are shy, you know? The guy was saying, the guy was saying, I remember one time I was out on a date with my wife and she, we were at a bar and she got upset. Something happened. She got a phone call. Something happened to a family member and she was all upset. And I was like, oh, I could hang with you. You know, I could hang with you and make you feel better or whatever. Yeah, granted, we were drinking. I'd probably try making out with her or whatever. But you know what? Like, that's not a creepy thing. I was hanging out with her and she's my fucking wife. What is that? Like, I can't, like, so, so I just, I'm trying to figure out. So, Baby It's Cold Outside is about a guy trying to keep a girl at his house so he could hook up. And she's like, oh, my mother's gonna, you know, my, my parents are gonna be worried and shit. And he's like, it's cold out there. Why don't you come hang with me? Like, how is that a fucking rape? I, I don't know. It, I just, what's next is my point. What is next? Here's another thing I'd like to talk about, everybody. Okay? A good friend of mine. I would say, I would say... It, it's he's become a, like a cool guy t- to me that we've hung out with. Namesh, hold on. I wouldn't say friend, friend, but like definitely somebody that when I see at the club, it's like, hey, what's going on? Okay, what's going on? How you doing, Namesh Patel? Namesh was a writer for Saturday Night Live for a year. He um, ran a show in Brooklyn with Michael Che. Uh, I see him at the, you know, I see him at. Comedy shows now, comedy seller. Good dude, funny dude, smart dude, good comic. You know, hilarious comic. Okay? So he does a joke at a college. I think he was doing something for Columbia or whatever. And um, he basically, you know, I'm not even going to get into the thing, but he basically did a joke that was not even bad at all. I mean, it's a whole long thing. You could read about it. And they just asked him to leave. They just stopped. They, they, you know, and you know they're saying his anti-blackness leads to the most talked about, like part of the performance. The guy is not even close to anti-black. The guy is not even close to whatever else they're saying. If they're saying, I mean, it was something where I just had to stop reading it. But now a comedian who was asked to do something at Columbia. Just because of something, and that's exactly what I've talked about. That's why nobody wants to perform. Fuck colleges, and any comedian that wants to go there should have to say, or their representation should say, listen, if my client shows up to that fucking college and tells a joke that people are offended, we don't give a fuck. And if you're going to have a problem with something, do not book my client. Fucking period. It's a disgrace what the fuck is happening here. It's an absolute disgrace. Um... It's just so ridiculous. And um, good comedians and great comedians uh, are getting be, are being put in articles of college kids or college bookers. Somebody that's never done stand-up before are making really good, you know, I just are, are, are making off, like, making... These, these people never did it. I can't even... I'm so angry. I don't even know how to say it other than you've never did it. And you're booking talented, great comedians at your school. You're lucky and privileged to have these minds there. 
to have these funny fucking people, these funny points of view, these funny, you know, ideas there. Says former SNL writer booted from college event over offensive jokes. I mean, that is, look, guys, this is what's happening right now. Baby, it's cold outside. They don't want. They're saying Rudolph the fucking red-nosed reindeer is bullying. I mean, the guy's got a fucking crazy nose. I mean, it's only normal, you know? Good comedians are being told that joke is offensive. What should we do? Should we as comedians, let's just go up there and talk about rainbows and fucking unicorns and shit. I, you could go up there, you could say anything now, and somebody's going to get offended. You could be like, yeah, man, I saw this, this unicorn. It was beautiful. Beautiful unicorn, and he was shitting candy. And, and, and But I'm not going to lie. This unicorn had a big dick. And all of a sudden, it's, oh, it was really offensive. It was really nice when he was talking about unicorn. They talked about how big the unicorn's dick was. It's like we're comedians. What are we supposed to talk about? Are we supposed to talk? I mean, I'm not saying we just got to talk about dick size. But <laughs> I just, when's it going to end? What's going to be next? I'm serious. What is going to be next? They're going to watch. I'm telling you, man. As the holidays go on and as time goes on, they're going to break down every fucking, well, what can we take away with Thanksgiving? Well, you know, what can we take away with Thanksgiving with the pilgrims, blah, 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 this and that. What, what, what happened? Let's look into history and find one thing that was off or wrong about what somebody did. And then we're going to take that off Thanksgiving table or we're going to fucking do that. It, it's just sickening. So it's up to us. It's up to the majority to fucking call these people crazy. And I'll be honest with you guys, if it's not crazy, I'm not going to say it, but like, what the fuck? And this is nothing political. This is just fucking Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, guys, why? Why can't it just be like something in the news going, oh, everybody's lighting the fuck up. Great. Enjoy yourself. So that's, I definitely needed to talk about the baby it's called outside and the Rudolph. All right. What I should be talking about is, oh, it's great. My wife is putting up Christmas decorations and the tree. Uh, although she's fucking driving, not driving me nuts, but like I have a fucking UPS truck backing into my driveway every 30 seconds. I mean, I got UPS trucks, FedEx trucks, boxes at my house every day. And I know she's shopping. I know she shops for Christmas, but this shit is like, you know, I just got giant trucks pulling in all hours of the fucking night. Um, but I wanted to talk about the 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 song and Rudolph and. And another comedian who t- is told not to, you know, it's told to leave because of that. It's uh, it's beyond, beyond, beyond ridiculous. Um, now, let's get into something that I was talking about last week. By the way, I'm Paul Verzi. You guys listening to uh, TVE, The Verzi Effect, episode 381. And uh, I hope you guys are uh, enjoying the show. I hope you're enjoying the uh, the winter weather coming, everybody. It's getting cold out there. Um, but so yeah, let me, let me, let me get into this. Then I want to talk about a Christmas party I went to. Um, oh, I didn't even talk about the the Gotham show. I got to talk about the Gotham show too. A lot of stuff to get to. So I will do that. Let me just make a mark next to these so I don't forget. Um, and we'll get into sports. We'll get into the Giants. We're going to get into the Kareem Hunt thing. I got a movie I want to talk about. So we got a full, you got a full packed, uh, TVE. And again, for you Patreon listeners, um, I was going to tell the story uh, of the Seinfeld story or whatever on the Patreon, but since I'm going to be restructuring Patreon, okay, and there's going to be, I'm going to do a show, another show, another podcast, which will be the Patreon. I'm just looking to change that. So there'll be an announcement on that podcast, on on the Patreon very, very soon, very soon. 
um, and and I'm, I'm working on something. So you guys, and it's going to just take it to another level. All right, and I want to thank you guys who are on there. Um, and yeah, I know November was really fucked up, so I'm going to add extra ones, but I got something that I think is going to be really good, and, and I'm going to talk to you guys about that um, in the future. Uh, but I mean, I'm in the, in the very near future on the Patreon. But let me talk about this real quick. So I saw the car flipped and a lot of people reached out. Okay, so I'm going to go to um, somebody here that reached out and said, and, and then we're just going to talk about that. And I'm glad you guys are reaching out about these things that I'm talking about uh, um, and, and being able to discuss with other people because I did feel like I felt bad about it. I felt, you know, part of me was like, what are you, um, you know, what are you doing? Like, you, should you stop? You saw a car flipped over. But I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to do. I was just like, it was weird for me because I'd never seen shit like that before. And then it's raining and I don't want to fucking get killed by oncoming traffic. I, you know, so it just put me in a, in a really weird spot. But then everybody um, writing in. And and ask and and telling me about stuff. It was pretty cool to to see. Where was that? Uh, oh, it's on the message on the other one. I think. Yeah, I think it's on the message over here. So let me see. No, what the fuck? Where is it? Well, I'll read the other ones. And as I look for that one, um, notification inbox. Let me see. Inbox. You would think I would know this shit by now. And thanks. This is awesome. Okay. So, this is from Chris, and this is what Chris wrote. Chris said, hey, Paul, recently started listening to your podcast after listening, oh, I guess Burr, a few months ago, he spoke highly of you. I quickly found your show, and it's been enjoyable uh, for the few weeks so far. Regarding your episode 380 mention of not stopping for a car rolled over, uh, here's a different perspective I can share. Not as the bystander or victim, but as a firefighter slash first responder. High-speed roadways are probably the most dangerous place you can put yourself in. Uh, and how often do we see people with flat tires barely off on the side shoulder uh, where the edge of the car is less than two feet from the white line and the occupant is laying under the car um, or squatting down next to the car. Just imagine the scenarios that could go wrong and how distracted people are and drifting along the lines on a good day. You're describing horrible visibility and roadway conditions, even under perfect conditions and visibility. Venturing out onto the highway is extremely dangerous. That being said, if you were approaching the uh, incident and... Uh, and there was already a slowdown of vehicles, I would encourage everyone able to, uh, to safely do so, uh, to safely do so to call 911 and try to give a detailed location and travel direction, uh, travel direction. If the car is visibly on fire or there is a large amount of smoke coming from it, which is actually pretty rare in modern cars, then I would strongly suggest trying to help. I still stress to use extreme caution and park past the incident. Uh, that way you can have your eyes on approaching vehicles as much as possible. 
Something useful to consider if the car is on fire is to start flagging down trucks and commercial vehicles as they are required to carry a fire extinguisher on board. Excellent point. And focus more on protecting the occupant as much as possible uh, while they're being... Uh, uh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Uh, hold on a second. Occupant as much as possible while they're being extricated. Um, hold on, shit, what is that? Hold on. Okay, there we go. I just had to move it up. Okay. Conserve the extinguisher contents uh, unless you have more av uh, more available. Like you described, the car was relatively good shape, just upside down. Modern cars are also very safe in rollovers, uh, so it's not worth risking your neck on a safe roadway for somebody that just has a sore back and a few minor cuts uh, on their forehead. There are countless videos on YouTube, there are, I've seen them, uh, of highway workers and state police getting steamrolled on high-speed roadways, and most of the time they are off on the shoulder when it happens. The fact that you considered stopping and it bothered you later in the day only shows that you are a good conscious, thank you, uh, uh, and uh, willing to do the right thing at the right time. Um which in uh, this instance wasn't the right time for you to assist. Don't let it get you down. Thanks for the laughs the past few weeks. I've been listening, and hopefully I'll get to see you and Bird a live show sometime when you are out in the Seattle area. Chris, Long Island, born and raised. Thank you, Chris. That's pretty much what I've been getting from people. But let's, uh, you know, I got a bunch a bunch of other things that I wanted to, uh, to talk about. I mean, a bunch of other people. Uh, hit me up. So I want to talk about, um, you know, if I want to see if anybody disagreed with what I did or whatever, but uh, here we go. So this one is from Justin, flipped car on highway. Hey there, P. Diddy. I wanted to write in about your incident on the highway with the flipped car last week. I think what you did was right. If you had seen the car beforehand, pulled over next to it, and known what to do then, I think you would have stopped and called 911. Yes, um, but you said you were already past it by the time you realized what was going on and had no idea how to get to location with the mile markers. In that situation, the last thing those people need is for 911 to be asking questions to figure out what's going on, and you have to go, uh, I don't know what's happening or where I am. Completely unhelpful. Those people who pulled over behind you clearly had a better handle on what was happening, so it's best for them to call 911 and help those people out. That's what my brother was saying. Uh, that being said, the sight of you prancing down the highway like a tap dancer trying to get, <laughs> to get your fancy little joints, trying not to get your fancy little joints wet almost would be worth delaying 911 and letting those people die. Congrats on the special uh, being a huge hit. I saw it and you had me laughing my ass off. I'm glad things are breaking for you. You definitely deserve it. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, man, that's the thing. Like, it was fucking nuts. It really was nuts. Like, I didn't know... I didn't know what to do. Because, um, you know, I was like, dude, I'm going to get fucking... What if a car hydroplanes into me and shit? Um, uh, let's see this here. This... All right, somebody... <laughs> 
Somebody, this is another one that we're going to go through. I'm just going through these this week because uh, I want to get to all you guys. And, uh, you know, there was an outpour this week. So, But this one says, feminism is cancer unacceptable. And another Christopher sent this in. Uh, and he sent me a picture. And there's like a bumper sticker on somebody's back windshield that says, feminism is cancer. You mentioned a few podcasts ago about how it's a fine line between being a feminist and being a cunt. Uh, Burr, I guess they're talking about comedian Bill Burr, the great Bill Burr, put it best. Being a fat cunt who gets naked for a magazine shoot doesn't make you brave. I'm tired. I mean, I, wait a minute. Yes, I'm tired how everything in this world is offensive. Being black and proud is okay. Being a strong woman is okay. If you are gay, they have parades for you. But being a regular heterosexual white male and saying... Uh, you are proud is offensive. So uh, I off, wait, I off or cover it up. I got news for you, sweetheart. If these three words ruin your day, you're not as strong as you think you are. And maybe you do need the feminist label to feel strong. Cry me a river, you unacceptable cunt. Also, side note, unacceptable. You can make it across the pond to tour with Burr, but you still haven't made it over to Salt Lake City. Unacceptable. Love you, dude. Keep on. <laughs> keeping on. Um, yeah, you know, there was, a, there was a lady in the crowd, which I'll talk about, um, you know, a little more. But there was a lady in the crowd at Gotham on Monday night, which was one of the best shows. I'm not even kidding. It was sick. And... Um, she was just being a dick. And every time you'd say something, she would either try to say something back at the comedian or put her hands up and like look at her boyfriend and squint her eyes like, why would he say that? And then, and uh, I, after that, I just looked at her and then I looked at the crowd. I shut her down and then I just go, you know, I'm getting tired of these women's marches. And the whole place went nuts because they knew my frustration and they knew that I was, you know, but I was right with what I said, but it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I can't wait to tell you guys that story. Um, this is from Glenn witnessing the crash. If you read, um, then no last name, please. First name is fine. This is from Glenn. Paul been a cop for 33 years and have attended countless crashes like you witnessed on your drive home in the rain. I've also witnessed a couple of similar crashes myself. So I understand the adrenaline and did, uh, that just happened thinking. Um, one of the big problems that crashes like that is where, uh, well-intentioned people immediately stop to help, but either stop their cars in spots that make the scene even more dangerous or even worse, put themselves in danger in the rush to help running onto uh, the highway to get to the crash car quickly. Um, it's not uncommon for the person who had the crash to be fine. But some poor good Samaritan stop, get out of his or her car, and get tragically killed by another car driving unexpectedly into the crash scene. So don't beat yourself up. As long as somebody had called 911 services, not rushing in to help when you didn't know um, if you could uh, do so safely is perfectly fine. Been listening since around 150 and can't believe you are nearly 100. Oh, dude, thank you so much, Glenn. I appreciate it, dude. And thanks for your service as a police officer for 33 years. Um, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. Uh, 
love the weekly podcast. Keep it up. Yeah, thanks for listening. And it's so cool to know that like police officers are out there. Like you know, hopefully you listen to this. Sh- uh, listen to this shit when you're sitting there like with nothing to do. But that made me feel better too, because you know I don't. I don't uh, want it. I honestly, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Like, I was like, "Am I a piece of shit?" I just looked to my left and saw somebody upside down in their car, and I kept driving. But my older brother Christian, I give him credit. Like, I think I don't know if he was trying to protect me, but he's like, "Look, man." He's like, "If you saw somebody pull over, I'm sure things were already, you know, cops were already called, people already talked to, and it's pouring rain." And um, and I was like, I said, probably like a football field or two ahead when I really started to like think about what to do. So, um, let's see if anybody else says anything. Uh, This is a quick one. Similar car crash story. This is from Brendan. Hey, Paul, I had a similar experience. I saw a guy in a Honda collide with a pickup carrying a trailer full of horses. Well, (laughs) Brendan, I'm not going to lie. I don't know how similar that is. I mean, I didn't see a fucking horse hoof fly across the highway, but let's see here. Uh, I saw it happen in my rearview mirror. Horses went flying everywhere and both vehicles flipped over. Uh, it was a busy intersection and I just passed these cars. I pulled over about a hundred yards ahead of the wreck and decided to call 911 before I left the car. I knew the mile marker, etc. and told 911 lady all the info. Then once she said e- EMS was on the way, I told her I was going to see if I could help. She immediately told me to get in my car and keep going and I would call, uh, or I would cause another accident and possibly make the whole thing worse. So that is probably what they would have told you to. Okay, great. Thank you, Brendan. I appreciate it. All right, maybe I'm not a piece of shit. Let's see where we are time-wise here. 37 minutes. Okay. Um, let's see here. Um, what is this? Come on. All right, we got one more with the car. Oh, this is a, this is another cop. So let's see. Traffic incident from a cop's perspective. From Drew. Hey, Paul, I just finished your latest podcast. I am a New York State trooper, and I've been working the road uh, for a lot of years. I think you handled your situation with the rolled-over vehicle perfectly. You didn't have any additional information that would help locate the vehicle, such as a mile marker or an exit, and you didn't pull over and create more of a hazard. Paul, you uh, wouldn't believe how many duplicate calls we get saying there are multiple vehicles involved in an accident because multiple people uh, call in with wrong information. So good job, buddy. You did nothing. You did the right thing. Okay, good. Unacceptable. Drivers not moving over and slowing down when we have our lights on uh, and are uh, conducting a conduction a uh, traffic stop. Uh, Paul, as I'm sure you're aware, it's the law in New York, if possible, to move over for the emergency vehicles uh, with their lights on. I can't tell you how many times I've been on the side of the roadway uh, issuing a ticket and I had to jump onto the hood of a stopped vehicle because some uh, inconsiderate jackass would not move over and nearly clipped me doing 80. Unacceptable. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Drew. And you know what's really crazy about that is uh, another comedian, I think it was Joe Matarese, he got a ticket for not getting over once. And I didn't realize the law. So like now, anytime I see somebody, because my wife would be like, get over. And I would see somebody like clearly though on the shoulder, like where I would be like, not even like I would be like, 
12 feet, 15 feet from it, even in the right lane because there was a lot of room. And I'd be like, why do I got to get over? And now I understand. And you're right. There are YouTube clips of people getting fucked up. I remember one clip, this trooper told this woman and her daughter or whoever, move over. And then you could see it. As soon as they move over, a fucking 18-wheeler just came in and took the car out and flattened it like a pancake. And everybody would have been killed if the officer didn't do that, including the the, the trooper himself. So, um, yeah. No, I, I, I felt... I felt that, you know, um, I did the right thing, but I still was like, man, if there was a little kid in there or something, I just wanted to make sure. And, like, since I saw it, it kind of it kind of bugged me. Um... All right, so here we go. Here we go. Uh, all right. there. So I, I think, let's see. Oh, there's one more accident story. One more, guys. There's one more, but I think we get the main thing here. Okay, don't worry. I'm going longer today. I got some shit to talk about. All right, I got to talk about this Kareem Hunt thing, and I got a great story about Gotham Comedy Club for you guys that you were going to like. Uh, where, where, where is it? Okay. Okay, I have an incident. I have an accident, Adrian, Paulie. I have an accident for an accident story for you. So I was driving to Texas with my family, and we came over a small hill on a highway into heavy traffic and an accident off to the right. We were moving at the speed. We were moving at a speed so fast that my defensive driving instincts took over when I saw the accident. So I veered left, avoiding the traffic and the entire situation. I passed. Um, by without actually seeing what had uh, happened in the accident. I don't look at accidents for two reasons. One is because I looked at the accident that had just happened in Vegas once and I saw a dead girl looking, looking back at me, which freaked me out. What the fuck? And two is because people who slow down traffic because they absolutely need to see for themselves, uh, can just choke on a dick and die. (laughs) All right. Um, anyway, I know one time I was driving, me and I believe it was Jason Lawhead, and I saw a motorcycle accident, and I saw somebody laying face down, and there was a pool of blood by their head, and um, rest their soul. We read that two people died, but I think that that person, I don't think, I don't know or could imagine if that person did survive, but it was it was really hard to see, and I wish I didn't see it. Anyway, my wife and kids start yelling at me as soon as I pass the accident, to which I completely... Th- uh, I am completely thrown off by and start yelling back at them, what's going on? Well, my wife is a nurse and my daughter is studying to be a medical assistant, so apparently there are some responsibilities in accident situations for medical professionals uh, that I was unaware of. Yeah, I guess when no ambulance or emergency unit has arrived and you're a medical professional, you're supposed to stop and evaluate the situation. As soon as I heard this, uh, information. My brain went into Batman mode, and uh, that the day that I found out that my family and I uh, are all superheroes. In all honesty, Paul, in your situation, I would have done the same thing. I think you have to judge the scenario at the time that it is happening, and I think you did the right thing. Sometimes people want to help, but in doing so, they simply add more flame to the fire. Uh, if you ever think about stopping or something like that, just be safe and smart about it. Thank you. Um, all right, so there we go. Now let's talk about. Um, we got an. Oh man, Kelly Meyer wrote in. 
So we got a little Kelly Meyer. Wow, guys, we got a lot of we got a lot of fans. Too. What the fuck, man? I, I didn't. This is great, though. I mean, I'm catching up with all you guys, and this is amazing. So I hope it's actually been a while on the podcast since I've had this many people writing in. But you know what? I got I got shit to talk about. So we're gonna do this. Is gonna be a longer one. So you guys get the TVE. Uh, getting a full TVE experience. I really can't stay, baby. It's. I always had this thought in my mind. I don't know if I talked about this. But SNL did a sketch where they were like, I really can't stay. And it was Jimmy Fallon and uh, I think Cecily Strong was the, the female in the, in the sketch. And he's going, but it's cold outside. And it took another turn. But I just wanted it to be like, I really can't stay. <laughs> it's like, baby, it's cold outside. Like, I got to go. Hey, baby, it's cold. And then she's just like, I really. He's like, bitch, it's cold outside. The fuck? You want to get sick? I don't give a fuck to go out there. You're not properly dressed. It's a fucking storm. What are you, retarded? Go fuck, go out there then. I don't give a shit. I always wanted, I always thought that that would be funny, but anyway. I might have said that before. If I did, I apologize, but it's oh, every time, every time I think of that, I think of the guy yelling. Um, this is unacceptable from Clint. Clint says, Wilder Fury fight. I was going to talk about that with sports, but I'll just talk about it here real quick. The Wilder Fury fight, Deontay Wilder, heavyweight champ of the world, fighting um, Tyson Fury, who was the champ and then left for two years because of depression. This guy comes from like a long line of fighters, like hundreds of years back, just like bare knuckle fighters and shit. And uh, one of the most enter, excuse me, one of the most entertaining heavyweight fights I've ever seen. Went twelve rounds. The uh, Wilder is a guy that fought forty times is 40-0 and 0 and knocked out 39 people. So he just trying to keep getting this guy Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is this huge Scottish or English guy, 6'9", Wilder 6'7", knockout artist, and he caught him in the 12th. He got him in the 9th, but then he got up, caught him in the 12th hard. He went down, and as he's going down, hits him again and is just staring at the sky, and I'm like, well, that's over. And then at the 5 count, he just sat up and got up, and it was unbelievable, and he was winning. The fight, so it ended up being a draw, but really, really great, entertaining fight. This is unacceptable. Wilder versus Fury from my boy Clint. Uh, I've noticed more and more that every time that a fight is considered close in boxing, that it ends up being a draw. I feel like this is a money-making scheme to make it easier to generate more money from the rematch. With uh, we saw a similar situation when uh, Golovkin uh, fought. Alvarez. I agree. Personally thought that Fury won. I agree as well. Uh, all in all, a good fight, but I think that somebody is possibly jerking off the judges to get these um, identical scores to keep the show rolling. 100% right, Clint. What they're doing is, um, I heard Max Kellerman talking on Stephen A. Smith, and what he said was 100% right. They like the story to continue. They like the story. There is no story if a guy who knocked out 39 of 40 just knocks out the guy and it's over. So I think the fact that, um, you know, he was winning, I agree. I think I had uh, Fury winning the fight by four rounds at least. Um, and Deontay Wilder knew he needed a knockout. Now, to Wilder's credit, he did get the knockout that he was so desperately hunting for because that's what he was doing. These guys weren't really great technical boxers. 
You know, Fury was this raw, big, kind of frustrate you, throwing wild fucking tree trunk arms at you, trying to knock you out. And Wilder, a little more technical, but he's a knockout guy too. I agree, but I think the fact that he went down twice and the last one looked like it was over, I think that that's why it was a draw. Not the worst decision ever, but I agree 1,000% with everything you just said. For anybody that didn't see it, you have to have to check it out. All right, um, you definitely have to check it out. Um, so here we go. Last one I'll do. If you sent other ones, I will read them or, you know, let me make sure. But yeah, so I'm going to read Kelly Meyer and then I, I got to get on to some, some other stuff here. Kelly Meyer, the Shakespeare is shit, but I don't think that this is one of those stories. I think that uh, this is just a, a regular one. So it's from Kelly Meyer, guys, you know, a contributor of the show for a long time. Kelly says... Getting stoned, unacceptable. Paul, last week I was out in L.A. for work. Uh, at the same time, Alexis Guerrero was in L.A. And we had messaged back and forth about meeting up. The plan was that I would go see him at a show on Saturday night and maybe grab a drink or two. I wrapped up with work mid-afternoon on Saturday and had a few hours to kill before heading out to see Alexis. For you guys that don't know, Alexis, very funny comedian. He's been on the show Nice guy, and he does an amazing uh, soccer podcast called The Cooligans. A colleague of mine had some gummies he bought at a dispensary. I'm not a big weed person. I can say with confidence that I've not smoked or eaten anything containing THC in at least five years, and it's been 10 years plus since I smoked regularly. But we were in California where recreational use is legal, and I figured when in Rome. <laughs> I know where this is going. My colleague, it'd be funny if you're like, I ate this edible and I shit gummy bear stuff all over the place. My colleague isn't a major, isn't a major pothead or burnout or anything like that, but he does edibles a couple of times a week. So I figured his word was good when it came to advice on edibles. He assured me that these gummies were very mild. And if I ate two or three of them, I'd be super chilled out and relaxed. He gave me six in case I wanted more later. I went back to my room, ate three gummies, and started packing my suitcase for uh, my early a.m. flight on Sunday. After waiting about 15 minutes, I didn't feel a thing, so I made the rookie mistake of eating the remaining gummies. Not five minutes after uh, eating four gummies uh, through six, the high started kicking in from the first three. I went from completely sober to feeling like I had 50-pound weights attached <laughs> to my arms and legs uh, in a matter of minutes. I laid on my bed. I could feel myself getting more and more stoned with every minute. I could barely put together a coherent thought. That's Oh, dude, I've been there. And went back and forth between calm, giddy, and outright panic. I figured a quick nap would do the trick and that I'd be fine in an hour or two. I passed out for six hours. It's almost 11 p.m. by the time I woke up, and I was still extremely stoned. It took 10 minutes to piece together a text message to Alexis apologizing for not being able to make it to see him. This is the third time I've had plans to see Alexis, and it didn't work out for one reason or another. So, Alexis, if you're listening to this, I apologize for getting too high to meet up with you. I promise next time I won't do any drugs beforehand. Unacceptable. That's great. Dude, I've been there. I woke up. I, I'm never doing an edible again. Fuck that. Fuck people that do edibles. It's crazy. And I, I don't give a fuck. No, you just got to have tolerance. Yeah, I don't have tolerance. Okay, because I actually fucking have kids and I do things and I work and I don't want to sit somewhere stoned. I don't know how that is. Um, 
okay to anybody. Like, I really just don't understand how being that high works and how you feel good. I, I don't understand people that smoke weed every day. I don't understand people that smoke weed to be productive. I don't understand how people can just not sit down like a fucking drooling vegetable when they're that high. It just makes no sense to me. Um, okay. So, um, let's see here. Let's move on. If I missed you, okay, if I missed you, I will get you back. Because that was a lot this week. And where are we? We're probably close to an hour, right? Now, 51 minutes. Well, I got some good shit for you guys left. So, um, there you go. Let's just listen. You know what? Just keep back and listen. Listen to me, but while you do, just put a little Christmas music on the background. I really can't stay. It's cold out there. Monday night, I was at Gotham Comedy Club. And, um, yeah, I got to share this with everybody. So, after Madison Square Garden, that me, Joe Bartnick, opened up for Bill Burr, we had an after party at Gotham Comedy Club. Shout out to Gotham Comedy Club, the Mazzilli brothers, Chris and Steve, who own the room. Amazing people. You guys know the story. They got the cake for Bill, the cake boss cake, and they. we just had an amazing time there. They had a bar for us there. It was just an amazing, amazing night. So, Bill, being the fine gentleman that he is, and going on a little bit of a of a, a promo run, like you guys know, when shit comes out, we have to run around and do promo. When my special came out, you do all the radio shows. So Bill had F is for Family. By the way, check out my uh, my boy Bill Burr's uh, third season streaming on Netflix right now. F is for Family. So Bill's in town doing promo, and like the gentleman that he is, and that the type of guy that he is, I think that's why we're so close. He just gets it. He's like, listen, let's do a show at Gotham to pay. You know, just to show that we want to, just to thank you. You know, we're going to pack out, he's like, I'm going to pack out Gotham Comedy Club on a Monday night and, and for the Mazzillis in the club to thank them. It'll be a great night at a great club. And Gotham is a great club, like a 350-seater or 300-plus-seater. So they said, they hit me up and they go, hey, we're asking Bill to have you on the show. We want you on the show. And I'm like, listen, it's a Monday. I'm not working. I'd love to come down and be a part of the show. So... Joe List was also on the show. Shout out to Joe List. He does a very good podcast with Mark Norman called uh, Tuesdays with Stories, I believe. But Joe List is a very funny comic. He's got a half hour on Netflix. He used to open for Nick DiPaolo, and he headlines all over the place himself. Very funny guy, right? So something unusual happened where I get to the club, and they're like, okay, you're going on at 7.15. The show starts at 7. So I said, okay, well, who's – okay, so who else is on the show? They said, Joe List – then you, and then Bill. So I'm thinking, now normally when you open for Bill, or when I've opened for Bill, which, you know, I only do lately, and I haven't really opened for Bill since I'm headlining on my own, but when he does a big theater and I'm off, he likes to work with me because we're so close, and I love working with him, you know? It's like my, it's like my fucking, you know, Bill's like family. So um, I know that when me and Bartnick and other people work with Bill and, and there's two of us, he'll be like, ah, man, just do like 10, 12 minutes, whatever. Or like if I'm alone with Bill, do 15 to 20 and then I'll come out and Bill goes out and he'll fucking rock for what? An hour 20, hour 30, something, whatever, hour 40, whatever he wants to do. It's his show. So I'm going there thinking, all right, Joe's going to do 10, 15. I'm going to do 10 or 15. And then Bill's going to rock an hour or do whatever. 
So I get there and something very unusual happens where they go, all right, Joe, you do 20 and then Paul, you do 25. And I'm like, does Bill know this? Like, and Bill's not, I go, does Bill know what's happened? And they go, yeah. He goes, yeah. So then they leave the green room and me and Joe are looking at each other like, what the fuck would they have? Why would they have us do like Bill's? And Joe's like, yeah, you know what? I listen to what they say, but Bill, whenever the the headliner, whoever the man is that night, you let them, let the person that's headlining really dictate it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm probably going to do less. So time's going by. Bill shows up, doesn't say anything about the time. Then somebody else comes up to me. I think it was like Christmas. Somebody else comes up to me and goes, hey, listen, do 25, but you might have to do a little longer. And now I'm really confused. They're like, so just wait for the light. If you have to stretch, just stretch and do long. So now I go down to this place thinking I'm doing 10, 15 minutes of stand-up, as Joe Bartnick calls it. You know, I, I think we're doing I think I'm doing special teams, right? And now it's like, do 25, but we may need you to go longer. So just wait for the light and whenever you see the light, whatever. Then we'll 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 get you off. So I'm sitting there and um, Joe goes on stage. Place is packed. This place was fucking eight mile packed, like just a mob scene, right? I, like I've I've seen Gotham packed, but this was like extraordinarily busy. Like everybody right there, intimate setting, fucking 300 something people just right on top of you. Just awesome. Joe List goes up, kills up front, and I go on stage and I'm having the time of my life. I'm, I'm just, I'm interacting with the crowd. My new jokes are hitting. I'm having an amazing time. But now something starts happening where I'm like, all right, so I'm pretty much at 20 minutes, so I should pretty much get the light. And I don't get the light. And I'm still having fun. I'm like, all right, well, I'll do this joke and then this joke. And luckily, the crowd was amazing. I'm having a great time. I'm doing, you know, new jokes. I gave them a couple from the special. I'm doing crowd interaction. I'm just having a great time. But now I'm noticing in my head, because comedians, we have a clock, I'm going, what the fuck? Like, I must be up here right now for like, what am I? Like, I felt like I was almost headlining the show. And luckily, it was going amazing and it was packed. But now I'm like, well, so now I go into one bit and I'm like, I'm sure by the end of this bit, I'll get the light. And I do the joke and it goes great. And I look up and no light. So then finally, I'm like, all right, well, now in my head. So now in my head, I'm like, I'm going to go into this bit. So as I start going into this bit, I see the light. And I'm like, all right, I'll just finish off with this bit and leave. And then a waitress walked up with a bottle of water and a note. And it said, okay, wrap. And I was like, okay, so that, whatever they, but I'm, I'm confused. And I'm going like, why would I? I'm like, I know Bill is in the room. Like Bill was there and ready. Club Soda Kenny, shout out to Club Soda Kenny. Great to see him um, out. You know, he's like Bill's right-hand man, his security, all that stuff. And, you know, he, Kenny was the one that walks you to the stage at the garden. And, you know, so Kenny's there. And I see Kenny in the room. And I'm going, well, Kenny's here. Bill's here. You know, Bill's people are like, why? I don't understand why I would do so long with Bill in the room. So then I start getting like, is Bill fucking like seeing my new hour? Is he just, did he just want to say, oh, let me see Verzi do long. I haven't seen him do long. I have no idea what's going on and why me and Joe would be doing so long and me doing now over 30 minutes. So anyway, I wrap up. I say, thank you guys. You've been amazing. You have, you're in for an amazing night, even though they were there for already fucking almost an hour. You had an amazing night, Bill Burst, you know, coming on next, blah, blah, blah. So then I get off, I get off stage 
and fucking Seinfeld walks in the door. And and the first thing I thought, being like a narcissistic performer, because I did well and I had a good time, I'm like, fuck, I hope he was there for that. I hope, I hope Seinfeld saw that because Seinfeld loves funny people, you know, and it's always good to... You know, and then I realized, I go, they were waiting for Seinfeld because Seinfeld and Bill know each other. Seinfeld was probably heard that Bill's coming in. I'm So I'm going to go up and do some time. So they were waiting for Seinfeld and Seinfeld had said, this is when I'm going to get there. So they were waiting. So that's why they were like, Paul, just do whatever you want to do. And then when we tell you, so then Seinfeld goes on stage and the fucking place, and this was an already amazing crowd. I got to be honest with you, like... Joe and I did great. Like, it wasn't already a great show, and now they think they're seeing Burr. And Burr's in the back of the room, and Jerry goes on stage, and the fucking place goes wild. Okay? Wild. And he goes up there and does whatever. 15, 20 minutes. Kills. Then Burr goes on stage, and the place goes fucking wild. And it was just an amazing thing, and it was really cool because we were downstairs, and I was in the green room, and I was putting my jacket on, and people were very complimentary, and it was a really amazing night of comedy. Everybody had a great time, the crowd, the comedians, and then um, I hear Bill, I hear somebody go, get Verzi, get Verzi over here, and you hear like, oh yeah, I just want to introduce you to somebody, you know, he's got a really great special out, and he fucking introduced me to Jerry Seinfeld, and Seinfeld was super nice to me. Um, and he was just like, yeah, so you going, you know, how long you've been doing it? And, you know, and he's like, yeah, you're just out there, just slugging away, man. Keep fighting them off. Or he said something really funny that comedians would understand. And, and it was really cool, man. And then we went out, we went out to a steakhouse and we uh, ate and then we smoked a cigar. And it was just an amazing Monday night in the city, but probably one of the best stand-up shows. Like there's been a handful that I could say that I've been a part of that were just special. There's been a handful of shows that I'm like, that might have been one of the best stand-up shows I've ever been a part of. There's there's probably been in my career, you know, I could remember maybe 10 that were like that Monday night. But it was really, really fucking awesome. And um, I know there's really no jokes in that story, but that's just something I wanted to share with you guys because it's a, it's a great story and... And uh, it's real. And I didn't know if I'd be able to make it. I almost canceled because I was under the weather. But that day, I was like, let me go to the doctor and get antibiotics because normally I'm not sick like this for more than a week. Usually when I get I fight it off, you know. I'll take some vitamin C. I'll rest. And this shit just was not, it was lingering. And I went to the doctor and they were like, yeah, this is what you have. Here's antibiotics. Here's a spray for your nose. You got, you know, you got sinusitis, whatever the fuck I had. And I started to take medicine that morning and I was like, listen, guys, I don't think it's going to be a late night, but I'm going to come and make the show. And then I get home at five o'clock in the morning. So that's how fucking awesome of a show and, and a, a awesome of a night that it that it was. So there you go. I wanted to share that one uh, with you guys. Uh, I don't even think I have an unacceptable this week. I would say the unacceptable this week would be the Rudolph thing. The fact that they're considering Rudolph bullying and to do it is just a sign of really bad weakness that I hope if they ban that shit, I can't. I'm not going to be able to handle it. Um, okay. So, oh, I went to a Christmas party with my wife and on a Saturday because the shows that got – there were shows I was supposed to do, I thought, at Uncle Vinny's down in, in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. And they got they got rescheduled. And we got invited to this party that I said I obviously can't go to because I'm working. And then when I was able to, I was like, we could go. And me and my wife get a babysitter. Uh, my older brother, shout out to my older brother Christian who came and babysat his niece and nephew. 
We had a good time. And um, it was really nuts to just, and I know that this is going to be weird, but when you guys go out to Christmas parties and you get babysitters and you do that around this time, it's very rare for me to kind of dress up nice on a Saturday with my wife and go somewhere and just do what adults do that have normal, like, I guess, jobs. And and people were like, Paul, what are you doing here? Isn't it Saturday? You're not working. And it was just, but part of me, was it was nice. And part of me was like, man, this is like normal. You know, like I get to be at a cocktail party, a holiday party with my wife at a, on a Saturday. I normally don't do that. And it kind of showed some shit that I miss in my job. And um, I remember just holding a, a piece of, I remember holding a piece of, uh, I don't know if it was shrimp or they had sushi there, just going like, this is fucking awesome. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is amazing. Like, this is the part of, I guess, this, um, what do they call civilian life uh, that, that I miss and I don't get to do. And it was really nice to do. But something hilarious happened at this party. Um, I think you guys know how competitive I am. I've talked about it many times on the show. I'm competitive where I just I just want to fucking win and I want to just excel at anything that I really take seriously and that I do. It's just who I am, you know. Um, my wife would laugh and go, yeah, but those are far and few between because you like to fucking sleep and you like your rest, which I do. But when I go hard, I go fucking hard. And I just like to win. You know, we were at the tailgate in Michigan and I teamed up with somebody and I wanted to beat the people that were running the table and I ended up doing that. I ended up winning the game or whatever. I that's and we talked about it after. I just like that. So we're downstairs at this basement at this cocktail party and um they have a dual basketball. They have a dual little basketball thing where you could like set it video game style and these re- the the little basketballs the, the but the real but the little college basketballs and you know it goes three two one and you next to a guy go and shoot like you would do with Dave and Buster's those two rims and the ball's coming down and you get timed and then you get to a bonus round and you do it so I guess a a kid that grew up with the host a guy I should say these guys these people are all in their forties fifties and shit a guy bets the guy whose house it is twenty bucks that he'll beat him. And he beats him. And that, now, mind you, this is in the big room downstairs by a bar. A bunch of people downstairs. A really nice, big, beautiful house. And they got a fucking... They got a... This, this basketball thing that his, that his son and his son's friends play. My son has been there and played with it. And it's off to the side, so they're doing it. So the game's over. And this guy just turns around and he goes, Give me my 20. Who wants next? Who wants some? And this is, you know, grown men drinking being competitive, and they start playing for $20 a fucking head. So, now this guy doesn't realize that I'm a fucking god at this game. <laughs> you know what I mean? This guy doesn't understand who the fuck he's dealing with, who I am with that, you know. But I'm also, there's a lot of people there. There's people dressed up, people with their wives, and all of a sudden, like, this is becoming a little bit of a spectacle where people are, like, watching and kind of crowding behind to see who's, who's going to win. I'm like, oh, man, I was like, I don't have 20 on me, and I can't start gambling in front of my wife, you know? Like, I'm home not doing comedy, and I'm dressed up nice with my wife at a fucking holiday party, and now I'm going to start throwing 20s out of the wallet, putting them down. But I go, oh, man, I was like, I don't even have my wallet. My wallet's upstairs in my jacket because it was, you know, the way you get to a party they oh we'll take your jacket they put it off into a room so he goes but we could play for no money and i'm like sure you know i'll fuck around or whatever so you know nobody's really watching and taking it seriously (laughs) and uh 
you know, so we line up the balls and, and you know, it's like in three, two, you know, one. And like he got, by the way, he got a 58 on his first game where he won the 20 bucks against, against um, the guy whose house it was, Dave. So he gets a 58. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, I need to get up there in the 60s to really, you know, take this dude out. So we go three, ten. This dude was taking his shit seriously. This is one of those. I'm not gonna say like drunk assholes, but kinda. You know those like for for you to be at a cocktail party and turn around and go, who wants some? You know while you're drinking and, and betting twenty dollars a game. So the game starts and I just it took me like three shots and I just started nailing it, nailing it, nailing it, nailing it, nailing it. And I'm just looking and people all of a sudden the crowd starts to gather behind us because I'm fucking nailing these things and I'm hitting these things like crazy now. And people are like, oh, shit, oh, shit. Anyway, the game's over, and he got like 50-something, and I had 85. And people were like, what? 85? He's like, where'd this guy come from? You know, and then, you know, my wife was there and shit, so I was like, yeah, you know, I had to let her know. You know, you know what the fuck you married, right? Even though it's so, it's one of the most ridiculous, <laughs> most ridiculous things ever. So I go back, 85, nobody touches. And now I'm drinking, I'm having a good time. And a guy wants to play again later. So I'm like, all right, we'll play again. So now more people crowd up because we're about to play again. Um, and so we start playing again like towards the end of the night. And now it's close. It's like neck and neck. And everyone's like, oh, shit. And now he's winning by like eight because like four or five, I just couldn't get in. I just They were rolling off the hoop. So anyway, I start coming back. I start coming back. And by the end, I'm winning like 50-something to like 58 to 56 but then it goes more time. And the guy's taking more balls. I don't have enough balls. And he's taking them. So I'm like, oh, dude, you're taking all my balls. But I'm not going to, you know, so I'm just playing, playing, playing. And now I start coming back. So then I hear, I hear someone in the back go, he's coming back. He's coming back. And we're like neck and neck, 68, 68, 70 something, 70 something. And all of a sudden we're running out of time. And I think I'm ahead by like four. And all of a sudden the buzzer goes off. He's got 80. And mine Hits the rim. I have 78. Mine hits the rim. Bounces to the rim. The clock strikes zero. And then my ball goes in. And it doesn't register as a tie because the clock struck zero. And I hear somebody in the back go, you still didn't beat 85. But I lost by two, right? And all I'm thinking about was, dude, the guy was taking more balls. You know, I definitely didn't have access to the balls that he had access to. And I'm not going to lie, I actually brought it up in the car to my wife. I'm like, listen, I know I know this is crazy, but I got to tell you something. Like, that dude took more balls, and, like, I would have won. And I was like, at least he didn't beat 85, and I took it that fucking seriously. At a grown adult's Christmas cocktail party, okay, grown adults are sitting there dressed nice, you know, cocktails, hors d'oeuvres, Christmas music, talking, enjoying each other's company, doing the, having a good time. And I just was like, yeah, that was, I, I was, you know, and my wife was like, yeah, I know. My, my wife knew right when that happened. But I will tell you this. I think in a real game where it would have registered, I would have tied. Even with the guy taking the balls, I should have tied. I think I was robbed. But he was taking more balls, whatever. But I did have a stretch where I didn't hit it. But just make no mistake, I am a complete competitive psychopath. Um, speaking of that, guys. Um... Let's go into sports right now. I'm sure you guys saw... Who's this? Hold on, hold on. Uh, all right. I actually just had to answer the phone because they had the... It's from the doctor. All right. Anyway, here we go. Kareem Hunt 
was cut by the Kansas City Chiefs for a video of him uh, shoving, kind of getting into a shoving match with a woman. Uh, then he shoved his friend hard, which then flew into the woman, and the woman you know, was on the ground. And then at the very, very end, walked over and, uh, you know, they said he kicked her. And I guess you could call it a kick. But here's what I want to say. And by no stretch of the imagination do I condone ever, ever putting your hands on a woman. Um, you know, when, you know, they're just, you don't do it. You don't do it. You don't shove. You don't push this and that. I get that. I'm totally against any piece of shit who hits a woman. Men are stronger than women. It's just not right. It's not something that I would ever, ever condone. And it's something that I let my son and people that, you know, know that I'm just not fucking, that's not cool. That being said, turning this into or comparing this to the Ray Rice video is an absolute fucking travesty because it's not the Ray Rice video. Okay, yes, this guy's a hothead, whatever was happening, I heard some words were said to him, he was called some things in a room, they come out of the hotel room, he starts pushing, I think he got hit in the face by the woman, he's pushing his friend, he did shove her a little bit, not condoning that, but the kick at the end, guys, was not a kick. Watch it, I know, and again, I'm not saying it's right, if somebody did it to my daughter, I'd be pissed, but the kick at the end of the video, to me, Looked like more like a shove with the foot, like a little you idiot, like almost like, almost like, I, I, I don't know. It looked like he just like shoved up like a bag, like a book bag. If you were just to kick a book bag over, like it didn't look like a kick. And they 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 tried to compare, and this is what ESPN does. And I'm not saying again, I'm not saying it's right. I don't want anybody listening to this thinking, oh, well, what the fuck, you should be no. But if you watch what you know, Mixon did, the running back of the Bengals, you know, before the uh, draft in an Applebee's or whatever, that that's a strike. If you watch what Ray Rice did, that's a strike, okay? That is a fucking blatant knockout punch. This guy was pissed off. There was definitely a shoving match. He pushed his boy so hard that it flew into the woman. The woman fell on the ground. And then at the end, he was just pissed, and he did this kind of what I look like. I said it looked more of like a shove with the foot. Definitely was a little bit of a, like a kick because that was obviously the motion, um, and it's not cool to do. But it wasn't a fucking like a brutal you know, thing. And he got cut. He lost his job. That's fine. They don't want people acting or behaving that way out. And I get that, you know, I'm not even saying he shouldn't have been, but to say now that there's a chance he maybe will not play again to say now that he kicked a woman when she was down and kicked her like from, that's just not, it was not a brutal thing. And I, I can't sit here and think this way and then just keep it in and be like, no, that's not Ray Rice. Call a guy a piece of shit. Fine. Call the guy, tell the guy, the guy's got to fucking take some punishment, the guy's got to go to anger management, the guy needs to be scolded for it, fine, okay, all that shit, I'm totally for that, but do not call it the Ray Rice thing, Ray Rice knocked a woman out cold with his fucking hands, okay, that did not happen here, so, you know, and then it's like, oh, well, we haven't learned from the Ray Rice thing, well, you kind of have, you kind of have learned a little bit from it, because I haven't seen anybody else knock a woman out since then, or hit a woman since then, at least on video, uh, and you haven't heard that happen, and Ray Rice lost his job forever, he's never played again, um, and now this guy is cut like that, so I just feel like, you know, like one thing has nothing to do with the other, Okay, because if a fucking NFL player really wanted to kick a woman, she'd fucking still be laying. They'd have to fucking peel her off that hotel floor. Let's be honest. You know, um, and yeah, he came clean. He apologized. He says there's no excuse for it and stuff like that. And again, 
If that was my daughter sitting on the ground and some guy went over and fucking even gave a shove with the foot or a light, you know, a light kick, I would be, I would be fucking furious and want to fucking kill the guy. So again, I'm not making light of it. All I'm simply saying in this is don't compare it to Ray Rice. And if you people didn't see it, you know, let, let me know what you think. But it was just, you know, that's the thing. You got punched in the face or smacked in the face hard. I heard he was called a name, but I can't confirm that because nobody knows. Uh, a bad name, I heard. A very bad racial slur and, um, you know, N-word or something like that. And then I guess, you know, shit got out and then it was just a shoving match. But it's... Uh, you know, I just don't understand when something is like that and somebody does something like that, how you could compare it to like the most brutal, like use it as an example of the same thing as the most brutal attack you'll see on a surveillance camera. That's all. I just, that that's where I stand with that. And I got to be honest, if that guy got another job and said, I fucked up, I made a mistake, I shouldn't be out in hotels getting into shoving matches with women and I shouldn't have done what I did and it's completely unacceptable and I deserve to lose money and I deserve to be punished for it, you know, and and, and I'm sorry and another and he meant it and another team gave him a job, like I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um so, you know, and when are these guys going to fucking learn? Just stop touching women, dude. You're not going what are you you're in the fucking NFL. What are you doing? I mean, even if you're not in the NFL, you don't do it. But like, what are you, why would you, what are you doing? Why would you, so a woman hits you in the face, you fucking walk away and you never talk to that person again and you walk away and you do the right thing. Where are those videos? I want to see a video of a fucking dude doing that. Like, the, you know, just being like, no, she hit me and I fucking walked away. And let that fucking person, have, you know, and, and let the woman have to suffer the consequences of that shit. Whatever fucking job she's doing. But these assholes, you don't touch women. I just don't get it. Fucking NFL players, man. I just, I don't know if it's from getting hit in the head too many times. It's ridiculous. Uh, the Giants won again. And I know people are like, well, don't win. Lose out, tank, and get a draft pick. No, you have to have winning culture. You have to have a team going into the offseason or going towards the end of the season feeling good on a good note and bringing that feeling into next year. I really believe that. So I like what they're doing. Let's hope for a miracle. Let's hope the rest of the division loses and the Giants end up squeaking in 8-8. Eight and eight. Don't know if that's possible, but we'll see. That would be amazing, by the way. Uh, but we lost twice to the Eagles, so I don't even know if that could happen. I think if the Eagles win one more, we're screwed. Um, I saw the movie Searching, guys. Check out the movie Searching. About a guy who... Um, it's about a guy who lost his daughter or his daughter went missing and he the whole movie is done from the perspective of his phone, her laptop, things she searched, social media things, all these different things and him and this cut and it's all done through devices. And I got to tell you I was hooked. It was awesome. It was different. It had twists. Awesome. So I don't know if I uh spoke about that one. That was the last movie that I saw. Uh yeah, I don't know if I spoke about that one. Check that one out. Obviously, I told you guys about Creed too. Um, all right. So, where am I going to be this weekend? There will be no rescheduling. This weekend, tomorrow, Thursday through Saturday, five shows. I will be at the Stress Factory in New Brunswick, New Jersey. It's a show I did a long time ago. It's a, it's a club I did a long time ago. 
and I'm happy to <clears throat> happy to be there headlining it myself uh, years later. It's a great room. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. The crowds are great, and I think you guys are gonna. Uh, I think if you come out, you're gonna have a great time. I'm doing a lot of new material. I'm having a lot of fun with it, and um, I'm ready to uh, to go out and bring it out there, man. So come out. The show time. I'll even give you the damn show times. How about that? So Thursday night tomorrow, um, it is. Let me see here. I want to make sure. I think it's. I don't know if it's eight o'clock. I'm gonna. Don't worry. I'm gonna tell you right now. Yes, here we go. Vinny Brand, Stress Factory Comedy Club, New Brunswick, New Jersey, 90 Church Street. I will be there. Um, I don't like these sites. That's Here we go. Buy tickets for the 6th. 7.30 tomorrow night. 7.30 and 9.45 Friday the 7th. And 7.30, 9.45 Saturday the 8th. I will be at... Vinnie Brands Stress Factory Comedy Club in New Brunswick, New Jersey. I just got Buffalo added to my 2019. I got Rhode Island. I got Boston. I got um, Jersey. I got a bunch of dates coming in, um, my tour dates for 2019. You can go to paulberzy.com to see all that stuff. Uh, guys, I could talk to you guys forever. I'm having a great time on this one, so I hope this one... Um, is one that you could listen to in the car, enjoy it. I know we're going almost an hour and 20 here. Sorry if I did not get to all your writing in, but write in. I appreciate, by the way, all the firemen, police officers, everybody that reached out about me doing, you know, me driving past that shit. It freaked me out. Why don't you motherfuckers send me a little fucking card or something? You know, can I get a little, what do they call it, a PBA card, a state trooper sticker? Give me something. I'm always on the road, you know? Let these fuckers know I'm entertaining you for a little bit. Can you throw me a fuck? Can you get me a get out of jail free card? I'm kidding, but I'd love one. Um, no, I don't. And then I'm no, I don't. I don't know. I don't like asking for shit. But when it comes to cops, and I know you fuckers have a quota. Oh, I know you have a quota. I've done too many shows in front of cops and state troopers and asked if you guys have a quota, and there's been awkward silence and smirks. So I know that's what's going on over there. Uh. But thank you guys, um, and yes, the special, my special, Paul Verzi, I'll say this on Comedy Central, is no longer for free. However, if you get the Comedy Central app, or if you subscribe and have Comedy Central on cable, it is you could go on demand and you could watch it right now. So please do that. It's getting amazing reviews. It's so cool that people are watching. It's amazing that soldiers are watching it. You guys know how I feel about the soldiers and all that. So I'm just glad that I could entertain you guys. Um, please check out Capper Network. Get your get your free sports prediction website on now. What else do I need to tell you? Capper Network and all things comedy. Support those guys. This has been 381, everybody. Um, uh, Patreon people, stay tuned for an announcement that I'm going to do on Patreon um, very shortly. And um, there you go. Until the next episode, I'm out of here. Take care. Be safe. Enjoy your Christmas shopping. I'll talk to you next week.